Hi, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Please join us as we explore how you can enjoy a happier life and a fulfilling career, things that aren't always that easy in our modern world. We'll be taking a look to how you can explore well-being both inside and outside the workplace, how to prevent burnout, how to achieve true happiness in work and life, and so much more. So stick around. Hello and welcome back. Jenny and I are here having a a happy coffee and maybe a happy tea for you in the evening. (laughs) Uh, And today we would like to take a stab at something we think is really important right now. We want to talk about how do we get through from the beginning of the end of this COVID, where we are, to the end of the end, and then how do we take care of ourselves beyond that? We have both been thinking a little bit about, you know, do we have a second mental health pandemic crisis coming? Because everybody has held on uh, and worked in this high stress world for 12 months. And then when we all get out and we let go and our cortisol drops, do we, is there a term, Jenny, for for that, when you go on holiday and you get sick, is there a, is there like a single term? I've never heard one, but uh, no, I wish there was. I, I don't think there is actually a single term, but I think we all know exactly what that feels like. It's like, thank goodness I'm here. And then you get sick and you spend the entire week that you've booked away to do all these wonderful, interesting things in bed, throwing up or with a ghastly headache or something. <laughs> so you're like, go, yeah. no. <laughs> but it's because your poor old immune system got so worn out that it just didn't have anything left to keep you supported with. Yeah, mm. exactly. So we want to talk about how can we work now to to sustain and support ourselves so that when we get out, we can party, yeah, <laughs> get on. not have to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and, I, and I think with with the uh, mental health issues. There's a lot of noise out on the um, cyberwebs about this next pandemic because it's actually already here. And while people are saying, oh, yes, we must look out for the increase in mental health issues, people are already having to deal with that and they have been dealing with it for 12 months already. What, what concerns me, um, and I don't know what the situation is exactly in the UK, I can only speak for what's happening here in Australia and probably New Zealand, is that pre-COVID, we had a mental health system that was already broken, where people were already struggling to get adequate input, assistance and treatment in a timely fashion. And of course, the arrival of COVID-19 blew everything out of the water, including the remains of the mental health system, so that it's almost impossible now to get uh, an appointment with a psychologist unless you've got a few months to wait. And of course, if you've got an acute anxiety or a panic disorder, or you're feeling really depressed, that's not what you want to hear. Because the other thing is we know that 50% of people don't put their hand up to ask for help anyway. So 50% of people who are struggling with their mental health don't do anything because, A, they might be in denial that there's anything wrong, 
be, they don't think they're bad enough to warrant intervention. Um, and C is I don't trust doctors and I don't want to go on antidepressants and something like that. So yeah. there's lots of reasons why people don't put their hands up. But can you imagine a situation where you had a family member or even yourself being so depressed, you've been having suicidal thoughts, and you get to the point where you know you're no longer in a safe place. So you decide you've got to do something about it. Now, some people would call an ambulance. Some people would just rock up at an emergency department. Well, don't do that here in Australia because the likelihood is you'll be turned away. And it just broke my heart to hear that this is a regular occurrence where you've got people turning up who are desperately in need of help being told, sorry, we can't help you because A, we don't have any beds and B, we don't have anybody available who is trained to give you the assistance that you need. Please go back to see your GP or go somewhere else, but don't block up our emergency waiting room. I mean, this is appalling. And we know too that in some instances, this leads to tragic outcomes. I mean, it's just horrendous. Here we are in the 21st century. Uh, Yes, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Yes, we're very clever because we produced all these marvelous vaccines, which are hopefully going to protect us in the future. And yet we're still so bad at addressing the needs of people who are struggling to cope mentally. And yet we know that we're much more likely currently to have a mental health issue than we are to have a physical illness. I mean, I'm not saying you can't get physically ill because we do as well, but <laughs> really? I mean, if, if you had a broken so... leg, if you had a broken leg, you'd be treated. <laughs> so because your brain is treated, right? <laughs> yeah. I do. Well, I think it's, I think that's so interesting and it's so sad. First off, I haven't heard of that in the UK. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I would not be surprised if I did hear that. Mm. Um, but we'd be interested to hear from from everybody. You know what what is it like where you are? Yes, let us know. Um, but that idea that we're you said perfectly, we were able to put all of this time, effort, money, everything into solving COVID and having a vaccine, which is amazing and celebratory. And I'm not knocking that in the least, but the focus on helping people with mental health issues is still so it's, it's just not where it needs to be. No, it's definitely stigmatized. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A huge stigma. Huge stigma. I think Um, it's an opportunity, massive opportunity for us all to step out. And I think particularly in the workplace, because I'm often talking to people and saying, look, the government isn't going to get off its bottom and sort this out anytime soon because it's had years to try and address it. Um, Don't wait for the health system to respond. They are just so overwhelmed with everything else. They just don't have the capacity. But we all have the capacity to do something for ourselves and for the people we care about, the people around us, whether it's our families or whether it's our colleagues at work. And so I'm suggesting, I'm telling them really, I'm suggesting. Advocating, advocating. (laughs) Advocating sounds a much better word. Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) Advocating that employers and businesses and different organizations 
look at mental health issues differently because we know mm-hmm. it costs money and it costs time and it costs energy and it means people are off work for too long when they're having to receive treatment, et cetera, et cetera. But what if the workplace was a safe place because mm-hmm. the concept of mental well-being was normal because you felt completely safe to <laughs> talk about how you're feeling. So you can go up and say, how are you going? And no, it's going to be a genuine conversation. It's not just the, how are you going? Everything's yeah, fine. Walk off. Yeah. That and it's also, it's that it's okay to not be okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not seen as a weakness. It's nope. not something that, nope. you know, people, can you imagine someone being annoyed if you had a cold? Or well, you know, I do get annoyed with people who've got colds and then come and sit next to me. I do get annoyed. Well, yes, okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> but no one is no one's gonna say to you, oh, they've got a cold again, or you know, <laughs> the response to that is never ever the same as oh, what's wrong with them now. You know, it's a really different reaction. Yeah. But I I love that idea of yeah, how can we create that? Because Two things come up for me when you say it, when you talk about that one, the workplace. Yes, absolutely. That is what it should be. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a part of our community now. It's a part of, you know, our, our tribes are our colleagues, right? Yes, yes. Um, and then like the, the idea that we can create this environment, that we can support each other, that it's actually okay, Mm. not be okay and I think I think we may have talked about this last time but though there was a big report come out of McKinsey that surveyed I think 2,000 workplaces and 96% of those workplaces had upped their mental health support yep but only one in six of their diverse employees felt more supported and that included like working parents which is almost Mm. everybody (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hands up, um, working parent. Yeah. So, so the other thing I think that would be interesting that we can talk about is similar to our happiness at work stuff. What mm-hmm. what is being offered, and what what do people need? Because maybe there's a disconnect there. Yeah. Um, I think people get that there is a need for better mental health awareness of what mental mm-hmm. health is um, because when we're talking about mental health we're usually talking about mental illness in terms of anxiety depression panic disorders post-traumatic stress disorder and etc 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 however or psychosis if you wish um, yeah. and so when we're talking about that you're you either being classified as you have a mental health problem <laughs> or you don't and you're somewhere along that that happy spectrum and we forget that it is actually our level of mental well-being which determines how we respond and cope with that. So when yeah. somebody has been diagnosed with anxiety or depression, they may sought help, being put on medication if that's required, or being seen a counsellor or a psychologist, if they have the tools to support themselves because they understand what helps them to feel better, they are yeah. probably going to be functioning quite normally. And you would not know that they had anxiety or depression and I often say to people okay in this room who do you recognize has a mental health disorder and nobody can say because um we can't tell mostly yeah you can't tell yeah 
Um, so it's it's about sort of just shifting the conversation around to okay, what what makes you feel better about who you are and what you're doing? And I think for a lot of us at work, it's having that sense of purpose and meaning in what we do. If we have a job that we feel we're connected with because we feel that our contribution is making a, a, a difference to someone else or for the greater good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, reconnecting to that makes us feel better. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. And I think even if you're in a, we were talking earlier about a data entry job, right? <laughs> Even if you're in a data entry job, right? Understanding where what you do matters, understanding how you're pushing things forward, which sometimes we forget to do. Like we can connect to like this giant big purpose, but actually yeah. does everybody in the workplace know? It's that story about the NASA janitor when asked what he did. He said, yeah. I helped send people to the moon, right? Yeah. Yes, I remember that. Lovely so, yeah, yeah. And I so I know that intrinsically because my mom was a was a housekeeper in a hospital like almost my whole life growing up. But she ne- you know, I don't think I would ever describe her as a janitor, you know. She was part of this family of people who took care of people and what she did was exceptionally important and she was very connected to how she helped people and what she did and why it mattered. Uh, You know, even like she used to do a night shift when I was younger cleaning. So she didn't see anybody. It was night shift. So kind of really rubbish, but she cleaned the, the tools for operations. Oh, right. And so she was so connected to knowing what she did, you know, and they did things like let her know like what operations were on the next. So she knew how cleaning those tools by herself at night. was helping other people. And just imagine I, everything we do in work can be connected to helping other people. I, I, I'm yeah. sure of it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so uncovering that and, and getting connected is, it's key. Yeah. Um, and we know, you know, you can see those, you know, the, the stewardess videos or steward videos on, uh, on YouTube that show, show them doing something special or the lady who, uh, who is the bathroom uh, attendant at an airport, right. Um, who's happy and what, cause, because she feels connected to her purpose and it is, it's what gets us across those difficult Absolutely. times as well, isn't it? Yes. So maybe yes. we, we may have, we may have put that down a little bit whilst we just try to get past this one, one thing. So, and, and picking I, up the threads again. I think you're right in that it's not sort of necessarily the big purpose. It's that yeah. sense of what we're doing on a daily basis making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and and ensuring that we're sort of feeling that um by doing this on a regular basis, we're making progress. And I think uh what we were talking about before is that, um, you know, it's been a very long 12 months for many people or 13 months or however long since the onset of the <laughs> pandemic. But, in you know, if you look back, you think, jeepers, do you remember what actually happened in, in April or May or June? Because it, 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 it is a bit of a blur, but certain things did happen along the way. And if we can look back and say, oh, yes, that was when that event occurred or that was when we celebrated a birthday or something like that either virtually or whatever, 
um, it helps to put into contrast sort of where, you know, what we've actually achieved. And seeing that progress makes us feel better as well because you know that you can keep going. Yeah. And we all need that little sort of, yeah, I can keep going doing this. It's hard. It's going to stay hard for a little while longer yet, but I know I can do this. Yeah. I love that. And you were talking about kind of that realistic optimism, you know, which is it's not looking at the world through rose tinted glasses and saying everything's going to be fine, but it's what is what is the real situation? Yes, we will get out of this. Will it be difficult? Absolutely. And and not not saying it's not, but choosing to go, Okay, I know it's going to be difficult. I am putting that in the parking lot. That is a given what can I focus on that is going to come? How can I think about the future? And we talked as well about not putting an exact date on things because uh, (laughs) false hope is worse than no hope, right? (laughs) So if it's not all sorted by the 5th of June, there's nothing special about the 5th of June. Um, It's about being looser with our expectations rather than holding on to them too tightly which can constrain us and make us feel worse about what's what we would like to change more quickly it's it's letting go and just saying well okay let's deal with today let's get through the next 24 hours and see what I can be doing to make sure I make the most out of it and uh, you know make a bit of difference Definitely. And I love that, you know, like trying to record as well what you've done, you know, the yeah. to-do list versus the to-do list. But actually over the year, we we did an, we did like a, a year review with, with one of our clients at the end of last year. And it was really interesting because they were like, oh, this year was so this, it was so that. And then we actually had them sit down and journal. What are some of the things that they did? We went through every month and had them, they just sat there and thought, you know, this happened and this, what happened in that month? What happened in this month? And when they did that, they had this massive list of things that they've done, you know, like launched huge projects, moved and bought a dream home, you know, made special connections, got like all of this stuff. And they couldn't see that. Um, from from this world that we're in right now where every day feels and looks the same yeah so that's a great I think it's for me it's really important oh I I love doing that uh I'm doing a lot of work with rituals in work right now because actually as humans rituals I think they're quite important for us and and they, they tie they tie us to different things but again we tend to forget that that's the rhythm is quite important for us, you know. It's the rhythm and the control. <laughs> it gives you feeling that it's I can control this because it's yes. when you lack yeah. that sense of control that it goes. Oh, I don't like it. Get me out now. Yeah. yeah, and that comes back to the reality of it, isn't it? When you actually look at the reality, you think I haven't done anything. I've been stuck at home for twelve months, um, and it's something I do because I found myself doing that. I go back through my phone on my pictures. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I had all these wonderful memories. Do I think about those? Unfortunately, even though I know I should, I don't. (laughs) But that's what, for me, that's what helps me remember, oh, I've had these wonderful months. I've had these wonderful experiences. And so honing in on those. So I guess before we kind of close up, what, what would we say, what would we say, what are the tools that we, we we would like to give people or some suggestions on um, 
what they can do? I think self-acceptance is the first one of, you know, what your reality has been for the last period. And really to reflect on well, what do you hope for in the next period of time? And what do you know that you've drawn on in the past that has helped you to feel good or that you've enjoyed that is going to put you in that better state of mind so that you feel a bit more optimistic, a bit more motivated and ready for what comes next? Because as soon as you do that, it helps to put you in that more positive state, which opens you up to possibility. And as soon as you've got what's possible up in neon lights, things start to happen, which is great. And if you can then also schedule in some future anticipated events, you know, something to look forward to, that is a great motivator because we know that, you know, the brain loves dopamine because, you know, when we're feeling rewarded, it gets that little dopamine shush. But (laughs) the biggest shush is the anticipation of good things to come. So it doesn't have to be anything huge or, um, you know, media worthy or anything, but just having those things (laughs) dotted into your calendar, things to look forward to, date night or whatever, is going to get you thinking, yeah, I've got that to look forward to and that's going to make you feel better. And I think the other thing which ties into that is the connection pace. You know, we feel so much better when we're with other people sharing our true thoughts and feelings because then we feel heard, then we know we're not alone and everything feels a bit easier to manage. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important, isn't it? Because we, you know, if we're on Zoom calls all day, do we want to then have that family Zoom call? Um, and we are are in, like closing down our social connections when we need them the most because we're like, I'm too exhausted, even though it does it does give you energy. We kind of mentally, we, <laughs> we don't do that. So uh, yeah, thinking about what you can do that's different, you know, maybe scheduling one night a week where you have a social event, you know, so it's yes. not every night, yes. you know, say yes. no all the other nights, but maybe there's one night where you can achieve that. Or I've taken to old style telephone calls. <laughs> oh, now there's a- I know. <laughs> I it all. Yes. Um, but it's lovely because that has it has a totally different feeling to it and whilst I love seeing my friends and family for me that's a much better means of connection when I've been on a when I've been on computers all day screen time all day so because because we do know too that being on screen for too long um is hugely energy sapping because zoom fatigue is a real thing um which makes it then harder to focus on other things like what you want to talk about with your family or your loved ones, so, which is actually quite important. So, it is. Yeah. How to, how to, um, what do you mean? We should not be sitting like this at the dinner table, Jenny. <laughs> Put that screen away. Yeah, so it's, it's about recognising when we've adopted those maladaptive behaviours like too much time on screen, too much time on the couch, too much time. I mean, we know what we've been doing. We've just got to own up to it sometimes uh, <laughs> so that we can recognize we have a choice. And if we want a, a better outcome, sometimes it means about making a different choice. Yeah. And it is that 1%, right? 1%. Yeah. That's, and that, yeah. that's so achievable. 1%. Yes. Love it. Yeah. Love it. 
Yeah, me too. Well, thanks, everybody. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, what are you doing to keep yourself sane and supported? Um, and, and what will you do maybe 1% different as we exit this pandemic? Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. And you can always get involved in the well-being conversation at all of our social links in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, and thrive in whatever you do.